Welcome to Nailing the Apex, everyone. I'm Tim Haraney. Please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts as well. Write reviews. It really helps us grow the show. You can also watch us on YouTube. You can follow me on social media. Alex Pillow becomes a two-time IndyCar champion here to help me break it all down. Dutch Motorsport reporter, Jeroen Demondal. Jeroen, thanks very much for taking the time to do this. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on again. Anytime, pal. Um, so let's uh, jump right into it. Before the race, uh, Chip Ganassi told us that, you know, Alex said he was going to wrap up this championship with a win on Sunday. And, uh, you know, he, he did just that. I mean, Pelot currently with the series best five wins this season. I don't remember a time a driver ever got anywhere near that in within a season and became the champion at the same time. This is a tough series to win in your room. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think you end up with sort of uh, Alex Zanardi, right, in the in the mid '90s with Chip Ganassi oh, yeah. Racing. I think that's sort of as far as uh, as we would have to go back. But I mean, my goodness, uh, Alex Below. I mean, he hasn't finished worse than eight this season. Um, I mean, to do in a series like this that is so competitive, uh, where the field is so on top of each other, where you get so many strong drivers, strong teams, to be so consistent, like you say, to sort of you know win right. so many races, get so many podiums. And consistently finishing the top eight. I mean, it's uh, it's absolutely outstanding. And then in Portland to also win the race, sort of in style, and win the championship in style by really basically dominating uh, the race. Yeah, it was very very impressive. I think like for having four road course victories in a street course um, victory in in one season. I mean, just looking at at that in itself is extremely impressive. Obviously, didn't have an oval win this season, uh, which, I mean, that would be the next layer of incredibleness to add to this whole mix here uh, if you were able to pull that off. But just to just that body of work within a season is extremely impressive. Chip Ganassi Racing's 15th season title at the same time. Um, it's interesting, you know, hearing from Chip after this race confirming uh, that Alex would be back at the team in 2024. And, you know, from what we've learned, it's uh, possible from what I've learned, I should say it's a possible three-year deal uh, could see him at the team until 2027, but we're not going to learn more about this until after the last race of the season, obviously. Um, were you surprised to hear Chip say that at, uh, uh, during the post-race press conference there? <laughs> Not really, no. I think that was actually the perfect moment to say it. Uh, if at anything, if anything, you want to sort of, you know, put down the gauntlet, especially towards Aaron McLaren, of course, which has been trying to sort of um, nab him and take him into their team. I think this is the moment to sort of once and for all take away any uh, <laughs> doubts about where Alex Pelot's future, is li future lies. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether we will ever find out sort of, you know, what the length of the contract is because we know that Chip Ganesi usually doesn't talk about contracts. Um, so, but why why would he go anywhere else? I mean, you know, this yeah. is the team that makes him perform, right? I mean, going to Aaron McLaren would have been a gamble. Um, uh, clearly, um, any sort of potential Formula One doors that he uh, might have been looking at have all been closed by now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, it makes perfect sense both for Chip Ganassi Racing, but also for Alex Below to sort of just continue this partnership because, I mean, clearly it is working. It's, it, I mean, you, at the end of the day, when you take a look at what's open within the field, there was obviously everything that was going on between him and McLaren. Mm. But at this moment, you know, CGR is still if not the best team on the grid outside of Penske. And if you get an opportunity to stick around with either one of those teams, 
I mean, you have to take it. I, I, this move to McLaren, I think, you know, big part of that was the, the, the F1 offering from, from Zach, right? I mean, I think McLaren's not going to take that next step until they move into a new factory and start recruiting even more people. Um, but obviously the team itself is, is there. They are hovering around that, you know, top three. But through this whole thing for Alex, I mean, in a legal battle at the moment with McLaren, you know, McLaren Racing suing him for breach of contract. I think it's impressive for me to see, I guess, just how focused he's been able uh, to remain during all of this throughout the season. Because, I mean, as a driver, that, that's got to be difficult to block out and then go out and win races and championships. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that, but I think that's the impressive thing, right? The fact that mentally he's been able to be so strong and to, I mean, he seems basically unfazed by whatever is going out, uh, on around him and by this sort of whirlwind of different, like you say, legal battles that's, and contract battles that are go- that's going on. Um, instead, he just focuses on the job at hand, just gets into his car, straps in, and goes out there and then performs consistently week after week, race after race. Um, it's highly impressive. Um, I can also imagine that there are, uh, that, that, people in formula one are paying attention to this and they are seeing something here that you know maybe further down the lo- down the line might interest them yeah um so i mean you know there, there's been some stories about whether you know he t- together with honda he might sort of jump in over the aston martin come 2026 uh, by that time maybe fernando alonso retires and so on so i, I mean I think I think there's a lot of speculation going on right now. Um, I definitely don't know what's going on, um, but um, I I definitely am not willing to rule him out yet uh, for a Formula One future in uh, a few years down the line. He did make mention though of his age a couple times, in particular him saying how old he was now, moving on to being 27 year old, and mm. how he wasn't 19 or 20 anymore. And so when you look at Formula One, I mean, obviously they are looking at younger drivers nowadays and they keep getting younger and younger as uh, the seasons go on. And um, outside of that, I, I just don't know if there would be room for, for Alex on, on the grid in the future. I don't know if his age prevents that from happening. Um, I don't know. I mean, Formula One drive, they also just keep on getting older and older, right? So the Hamiltons yeah. and the Alonsos of this world, they also just keep yeah. on uh, going. So they retire later and later as well. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's pros and cons to having a younger driver and, and an older driver, I guess. I mean, you know, somebody like Pelot, he's a much more fully complete and polished driver than, say, if, you know, if you're Alfa Romeo, now you put an Oliver Behrman in your car who's 18 years old and just comes fresh out of F2. Yeah. On the other end, I mean, somebody like uh, Oscar Piastri uh, is only 22, 23, but is clearly very mature for his age already. Uh, Max Verstappen, of course, was very, very mature for his uh, very young age. So I guess I'm not sure if age is really uh, uh, the defining factor to me. I think it's also what kind of personality do you have? And I do think that sort of um, Alex Pelot's mental strength is a massive asset uh, if he would ever try to sort of, you know, sell himself into an mm-hmm. F1 team. Let's talk about his race on Sunday at the Portland Grand Prix because you know he was he was impressive. I mean, Ray Hall, uh, Graham Ray Hall starting on pole. I just want to talk quickly about RLL. Their season has hmm. been such a roller coaster, and how they've turned things around since Toronto. Uh, 
they've they've really been impressive, Yarun. What what I don't know if you know, but like what is going on at that team? Like the, the I know they had to do a lot of restructuring no, a few that. months ago, but it, I I just it, it was never really talked about. Like I wonder what restructuring they have done that has allowed no, them to I, unlock I, so much performance. I think especially after the Toronto race, I think Bobby Rahal he sort of opened up about this a few uh, at length in the post race press conference where he said sort of like you know we we had to let some people yeah. go, we had to give some people different roles. Um, and he says, you know, that's difficult. Uh, he said, he actually said, I had sleepless nights uh, yeah. uh, first after what happened at Indy because of all his partners. I mean, you know, when you they have so many corporate partners, right? They have so many employees, yeah. and then when your team is so basically, you know, uh, lost at sea, I can understand that sort of, you know, um, you lose sleep over smaller things than that. Yeah. So. And then, of course, indeed, but they also decided, like, we need to do something. And clearly, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it, clearly they made some changes in how they structured their engineering sector and, and maybe, you know, let go of a few people, brought in a few other people. Um, and whatever they did, it worked. Um, it, it, they definitely sort of uh, put a step forward. Um, on the other hand, I mean, I thought sort of, um, uh, I was amazed, actually, that Graham Rail managed to grab a pole on Saturday mm-hmm. um, on, on black tires, no less, on the harder tire. Um, but then I think also their race pace wasn't great, which you could also see with Christian Lundgaard, um, who also sort of uh, was, you know, firmly stuck in the mi- in the mid pack, right, rather than sort of really fighting for uh, for top ten. Yeah, because Lundgaard was even quick in, uh, I believe it was practice one. Like he was he was lightning quick then as well. I mean, the the team has definitely turned things around here, and excited to see what they can do next season. Uh, as for uh, the start of this race, I mean, there were a few drivers starting on the primary tires, Pelot being one of them. And then after that, you go with Dixon, Award, Rosenquist. So a lot of those front runners, though, were starting on the, the red alternates. And at the end of the day, I mean, just a few drivers made the right to see the t- decisions to start on that black primary tire. And it really worked out for them. Obviously, with Rosenquist, his situation was a little bit different as the race evolved. And we can get into that a little bit later. But I just found it fascinating, um, the different tire strategies that these drivers opted to run on throughout this uh, beginning of the race. And one of the other things that really caught my eye is, is was Kyle Kirkwood and just wondering what the hell was going on with him out there on Sunday, because I got into it with Canapino on lap 29, I think it was. And but he had a pretty dangerous move, I would call it, on Ryan Hunter Ray on the uh, that really fast backstretch in Portland, and then later in the race got tangled up with with Joseph Newgarden. Just really weird driving from Kirkwood this weekend. He's not he's not usually like that. I mean, that was the one move on Hunter Ray. I I'm su- I, I don't know how he didn't get penalized for that. No, well, to, to be honest, yeah, the the Hunter Ray move was really, really uh, hairy. I agree, um, but to be honest, I mean, I found Andretti as a whole, um, they were really um, a little bit all over the place. Because let's be fair, I mean, Kirkwood had a, a bit of an off day, but so did Colton Herta, of course. Um, you know, Herta breaking a, a speed limit in in pit lane, uh, and then sort of fighting his way back, and then sort of spinning again at the uh, in the in the final sector. Romain Grosjean, I mean, basically oh, had a had a very rough first lap um and then basically was uh, was out of the running as well for the rest of the race so and and i mean this is the whole story of andretti right i mean this this season it's really hot and cold i mean because kyle kirkwood also has had great uh, yes. races you know we saw him at long beach where he was fantastic i mean he was really really strong um at, at nashville but there are also races where andretti is just 
you know, for all the resources that they have and all, you know, apparently the engineering prowess that they're, uh, that they're supposed to have, they're just very mid pack and very unimpressive. Yeah. Um, and that is, that is, I, 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 Andretti Autosport has always been a bit of a mystery to me, especially in recent years, because it basically happens season after season after season again. Like you said before, I mean, it's Ganassi and Penske. They're the guys fighting for the championships. No one else. Mm-hmm. So on lap 30, we've got uh, Award, Rosenquist, obviously two teammates battling it out, coming out of the pits. Interesting tire choice um, for Felix. He came out on the red alternates at that point, and Award was on the primary. So uh, that meant that Rosenquist was, you know, had to, was going to have to run those primaries later in the race. So with about, I think it was around 27 laps to go, uh, was Canapino had spun off and brought out the yellow, but Rosenquist got into pits, uh, pit lane just before the caution was thrown. Uh, he he had to do a load of laps around on that soft tire. I think it was about 22 racing laps in total uh, mm. for him. Like it was a pretty impressive drive from from him. I think on on Sunday, all things uh, considered. Did you expect him to to, to finish? You know. Too. No, I mean, by that time, of course, he was already in the running for that. But to be yeah. honest, I was impressed how he managed uh, his tires. I think, sort of, uh, in general, he was the strongest of the lot of the of the Arrow McLaren drivers. Yeah. Um, and you know, um, that hasn't always been the case um, this uh, this season. I mean, you know, often he's been third best behind behind Rossi and uh, and Award. So, yeah, I think I think he just had a good. Uh, I think he just had a good run. I think also maybe for him. Um, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit silly season later, yeah. but I think maybe for him to have his future sorted, I think maybe that gives some mental rest as well. Yeah, good point. Um, you know, that sort of, you know, he can drive a bit more freely, maybe feels uh, a little bit less that he has to prove himself, sort of. Um, so, I mean, maybe the whole situation with sort of, you know, slowly but surely all the puzzle bits falling into place, right? That that sort of uh, helps a few of these guys as well to just sort of settle down a bit more. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Rosenquist uh, drove a very, very impressive race. Um, absolutely. Lap forty nine. Um, I want to talk a bit about the uh, the blocking issue with uh, Alex Pillow and Helio Castroneves. So uh, he wasn't. So you know, Pillow wasn't really fighting for. Well, I shouldn't say Castroneves wasn't really fighting for the net lead at the time. But for Pillow to be as as aggressive with his with his blocking as he was. Uh, I I was a little shocked that he didn't get a penalty for for that. I mean, yeah. I, well, I th- I, th- I think sort of to be honest that uh, uh, the race stewards were very lenient. Uh, yeah, yesterday. Still, I mean, like you said before, the Kirkwood uh, Ryan Hunter Ray uh, move didn't get anything. Um, Ericsson on Islet in in lap one or lap yeah, two didn't get anything. Uh, Renus VK on Marcus yeah. Ericsson didn't get anything. Um, and in this particular case, yes, you could you could say that sort of. I mean, he was moving position twice below, and that sort of is almost a you know the textbook definition of blocking. At the same time, he wasn't fighting Castro Neves for position. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't he? Would Castro Neves have passed him there? Uh, Pelot would have passed him two uh, two corners further down the road. So I do think that that context probably played a, a role in the decision as well, that they were like, yeah, well, you know, Castro Neves, wa-. if it would have been sort of like a move for the lead, yeah. maybe that's sort of when yeah, you sort of really right. sort of intervene. But yeah, Castro Neves point. was never in a direct battle with Pelot. That, that's at least the way I interpreted it. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's good to see, I guess, the stewards keeping it fairly consistent as in the closing stages of this race, you know, you had Polo leading Rosenquist was chasing at Dixon in third award uh, chasing down 
Dixon for for P3, and then you had Marcus Armstrong, uh, who was, uh, you know, a a lap down and lets his teammate Scott Dixon go by, but, you know, chose to hold up Pato Award. Um, It it, it was like he didn't, I don't know, he he held him up, he held him up pretty good, but it was just interesting comments from from Award following the race on lap cars, blocking the leaders. So for, for Pato, he ended up finishing this race in fourth place. Um, like I had said, he was fighting Dixon, you know, obviously Rosenquist was a little bit more up the mm-hmm. road. Um, he had used a lot of push to pass to get back to get past lap cars throughout the race though. That was one of his issues. And his comment on it is quote, stop being an ass and let other people fight. So when I take, a, when I hear that, he was pretty frustrated about all of it, but it isn't the first time actually we've seen something like this, this season. And my question would be, what should the series do about, lap cars and leaders coming through. I mean, obviously you have the Formula One example. I I like what Formula One does in that regard, where when the leaders are coming through, the lap traffic needs to get the hell out of the way. Um, so the leaders can do their do their thing. I I kind of like that system a lot better than what IndyCar does. I mean I do understand that, you know, some of these drivers are allowed to unlap themselves at the same time, but I don't know. I would like them to take a closer look at this one, though, Jeroen. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I wish I could agree with you, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> I've, 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 uh, the thing is, I mean, I've grown up with IndyCar racing like this since uh, I grew up with IndyCar racing in the '90s and the 2000s. I mean, this to me is a central feature of American open wheel racing. Uh, we don't do blue flags. If you want to pass a, a lap car or you know back marker, you just have to pass them. Um, and I understand. I mean, Pato Award is always outspoken when it comes to these things. I mean, he never, uh, you know, hides his feelings in that sense, and that's great. That's why we love him. Um, same with willpower. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, of course, you know, I mean, it's also the situation. Um, you know, the, the heat of the moment. I'm sure if uh, Pato Award was benefiting from one of these situations, he maybe might, might have sounded slightly differently. Um, I don't know. I think it's part of the game. It, it seems to be part of the game. And in the end, I mean, um, because, of course, I was following my countryman, Rinus VK, a little bit. Um, uh, in that final stint, at some point, he had Ryan Hunter Ray behind him, who kept off Marcus Ericsson for a while. But eventually, Marcus Ericsson just got passed because yeah. Marcus Ericsson has a better and faster car. So I do think sort of this also sorts itself out uh, uh, most, most, uh, most of the time, uh, more often than not so. I don't have a massive issue with it, but I also understand uh, Pato's frustration. Of yeah, definitely. As for Renus, uh, what's going Finally. on? Finally, yeah. Finally, <laughs> what's going on with Renus this season, man? It's like that's a good race in Portland, well, but like it's been again for him up and down as well. Like, yeah, well, I think I think it's it's at Carpenter Racing has had a very rough season. Um, I do think sort of that uh, where some of the competition has been investing, has been sort of you know expanding, has been growing, has been uh, developing. Um, I think uh, ECR has been standing still mostly, and if you stand still and the rest around you develops, you go backward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Renus VK that we saw in 2020, 2021, when he could sometimes challenge for you know even podiums, he won a race, you know got a pole a few times. Um, it's it's just becoming more and more difficult. And also because, of course, the series as a whole becomes more and more competitive every single season that passes. Um, I do believe uh, that at Carpenter Racing needs more investment. They need to invest more on the engineering side. They need to uh, just step up because um, they're, they're at risk of falling behind. Um, I mean, if you see that even a team like AJ Ford Racing now sort of teams up with, with Penske, right? Yeah. I mean... 
AJ Ford Racing is at this moment a competitor to ECR. Well, if they get sort of access to the Penske database, just like MSR gets to an at Andretti, and ECR is left working with no one, yeah, that, is, yeah. that is a problem. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, I mean, they've taken some action uh, halfway through the year, right? I mean, um, they they uh, relieved uh, Connor Daly of his contract, brought in Ryan hunter Ray. But to be completely honest, Ryan hunter Ray, in terms of actual, actual results, um, I mean, you know, him and Renus have been teammates for nine races now. Um, Renus has beaten him nine times in qualifying and nine times in the race. So does that say something about Ryan hunter Ray? Does it say something about Renus VK? I like to think that it shows that Renus VK really is really, is really, really good and deserves a better car. What do but- you think? What, what do you think about that Connor Daly situation though, letting him go? Uh, like, I mean, like him and Ed have a good relationship and all that, but I mean, this was a literal business move. Like it, was- it was, but I mean, if you were going to replace a driver, yeah. if that is the decision you're taking, yeah. are you going to replace uh, Connor Daly in the 20 or Renus VK in the 21? Who's the guy that has been giving you results the last few years? It's not Connor Daly. Yeah. It isn't. Um, and I'm not even saying that sort of, you know, with my orange hat on, um, but I mean, just look at the results. Renus VK is the, is the driver who in at ECR has been driving, has been scoring pole positions. He got the car on the podium. He got the car to win at, at IMS. Connor Daly hasn't. So, I mean, it's a simple choice. If that is a decision you're going to make, like I'm going to replace a driver, well, yeah, then it's going to be Connor Daly. And I mean, of course, that's a shame for Daly because clearly he has skills as he has shown in his uh, in the, the other races that he's done um, at RLL and at MSR. But um, yeah, I mean, in, in the moment I understood the decision, but I'm not sure that it has really helped the team that much. Yeah, I hope Connor gets on somewhere else because uh, yeah. I think he's he's good for the good for the series and he's a good driver as well. I'd yeah, like he's a great personality, yeah, right? I mean, you know, I I, I like Connor yeah. uh, absolutely. Yeah, I like yeah, him yeah. a lot. Um, so yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, uh, some off track things. So Roman Grosjean confirmed that uh, he will be he will not be back at Andretti Autosport next season. Uh, Grosjean said that uh, he was out at the team, but that quote, I'm a Phoenix, I will always find a place to land. In 45 starts in IndyCar, he's still winless. Um, he does have his contract with Lamborghini and uh, their uh, LMDH program for WEC and IMSA, but I think Grosjean believes he could be back in IndyCar next season. I, I don't know where. Like, you know, Dale Coyne, it sounds like Coyne's – Almost got his uh, driver lineups, you know, that's, suited. That's that's the word on the street, right? That Dale Coyne uh, would be interested in him. Um, I mean, the thing is, of course, the NBC the NBC report that we saw sort of coming out of the weekend, Grosjean leaving, Andretti possibly going back to three cars. I mean, it was basically on the record confirmation of stories that have been singing around a little bit already in you know in the grapevine. I, I heard both of those uh, stories before. Um. I mean, what I'm what I'm wondering is sort of Grosjean. I mean, clearly he's well paid at Andretti. Yeah. Um, can Del Coin Racing match that, or is Grosjean willing to sort of go down considerably in in salary? Because that would almost have to be a necessity, unless sort of there's suddenly a you know big sponsor uh, coming along that we're not aware yeah. about. And then there's also the other stories that sort of uh, we've heard about Devlin Di Francesco being talk yeah. uh, in, in talks with Del Coin Racing. Um, there's also been a very long-standing uh, story that Daniel Frost from Indy Next is 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 uh, lined up for a seat at DCR. Does that mean that Dale Coyne goes to three cars? Or are we having three names for two seats and one of them will lose out? I mean, I don't know yet, but this yeah. is why they call it silly season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be great, actually, if Dale Coyne goes back to three, to three cars, if they can do it. 
it wasn't a good weekend for Grosjean either way. I mean, no. having that blow up with his crew at uh, the end of qualifying there, we got bounced out and blaming it on traffic and stuff. So, so I saw some of that. I saw his onboard camera. Like it didn't, I, I don't know. I didn't really see traffic really interfering with his lap, but. But it's an illustration of what is rumored to have been, you know, one of the factors in, in, in you know, the end of his Andretti relationship, right? Just the way he sometimes, he has, he has a bit of a short fuse and that's probably because he's really driven and he really wants to succeed. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, sometimes he, it, he does seem to have a bit of a short temper sometimes, um, more so than other drivers. I mean, of course, you know, we've seen willpower at at road america sort of had a few choice words for roman grosjean i mean we've seen pato we've seen helio in the past sort of sometimes you know just really losing it but with grosjean it seems to be sort of like a pattern um and um i mean you know it was it was no different when he was in formula one i mean he was he's yeah. always been a very emotional uh, uh driver uh, an he, emotional personality he got an earful from a few people on his crew mm. following that qualifying like yeah. TV cameras pick that up perfectly. Yeah. Um, it just really looks like they're just frustrated with him. And, you know, Michael has said this in the past that being a team player and, you know, exactly. paraphrasing here, but like yeah. how you treat the crew is a very important thing. And it sounds like that may not have been going down from Grosjean no. to the rest of the crew, but and you could see when he made the move from Coin to Andretti that you could see, you know, that that might be a match that works. Yeah. But then you start working together with each other on a day to day basis, and maybe after a while, you just, you know, you just conclude that hey, our personalities, our approaches to this thing are too different, and this is just not going to work in the long term. And then it's probably best for for all parties to just go their separate ways. Um, but I mean, you know, Grosjean, of course, on his on his best day, I mean, he's a great driver and he can beat anyone. Yeah. For Andretti, you know, you had mentioned three cars possibly for, for next season. Yes, that is the rumor that, you know, you and I know of that's going around. I mean, Herta, Ericsson, Kirkwood would be that lineup. Yeah. Um, fairly strong, but I think for, for Michael, he really wanted Ericsson and his experience on the team. I think he feels that Ericsson will be, will be good for the younger drivers in, in Herta and, uh, and Kirkwood. Um, this is a team, you know, that's made quite a few mistakes uh, lately, especially this season, uh, and, yeah, and last season as well. I guess you could wrap that in. I just, I, I don't know what, I don't know what what Erickson is going to be able to bring. Yes, he's talented, obviously, but he does have experience. But does he have more IndyCar experience than Colton Herta? No, I don't think he does. Yeah, um, I so. but I mean, you know, he is a very. Uh, we're talking before about sort of uh, mental uh, stability. I, do, I think Marcus is fairly uh, is also you know pretty unfaced sort of you know whatever you throw at him sort of he'll, he just deals with it and i think you should also not forget i mean you know he is an indy 500 winner uh, yeah. andretti autosport would really love uh, to have another indy 500 winner uh, in their ranks they have that now so he's very marketable in that sense as well so i think there's also a commercial element to this um i mean you know i've, I've heard some rumors about sort of what they're going to pay him every year um you know He's, well, that was a big gonna, thing. For he's him. going to make. He's going to make a lot of money yeah. in Andretti Autosport, and yeah. I, I'm have very happy for him. But that also yeah. means that probably they'll they need to bring in some sponsorship, yes, in order to sort of you know really fund that team more. But I mean, it's clear, like you know, that what they've done in recent years, where they basically the Ford car has been sort of like you know sold to the highest bidder. Um, they want to change that because I think I think Michael Andretti has been quite outspoken about that as well. In an ideal world, he wants to have four 
paid drives, you know, that are sort of four drives whereby sort of a driver comes in and gets paid a salary rather than having to bring funding and just four strong equal-ish drivers. I think that's sort of what he needs to do because, um, you know, that's how Penske does it as well. That's how McLaren does it as well. And, you know, to a large extent, that's how Ganesi does it as well. For uh, for the leader's circle payout, though, if you go up to that fourth car, though, how does that – that affects your – you know that 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 battle yeah. for that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, of course, with <laughs> that technically only the first three cars for each team yeah. uh, qualify for the leader circle. But then Andretti yeah. has the fourth car, which has been, uh, as you say in America, grandfathered in because they have sort of yeah. like some original uh, right to it. Um, that is sort of the qu- the question mark that I have around the rumor of them going back to three. If they give up that fourth entry, do they yeah. lose that fourth leadership car? Yeah. Um, or lead a circle car because that might be a consideration uh, against that against that decision. Linus Lundqvist joining Chip Ganassi Racing, so it's a sounds like it's a multi year deal with uh, with CGR. Um, he'd have to, I, I think, he'd have to bring a bit of a budget to that. Jeroen, I, I don't know how. how I, I mean, Linus so. had a good, he had a good showing in Nashville with with Shank Meyer Shank Racing, but. It, he's got to be bringing a little bit of cash with him. To, to I CGI. don't think so. Really? You think like... I also don't think that he's going to be paid, you know, Ericsson, uh, Hertha-like salaries. Um, you know, but we know when sort of Ganassi brought in Pelot, I mean, Pelot was sort of... Uh, that's one of the reasons for their initial fallout, right? That sort of Pelot wanted to improve terms on his contract and they said, well, why? Because you signed this willingly. Mm. Um, I, I mean, with Lundqvist, I mean... I don't claim to know it, but from what I've heard is sort of that basically they just all, they just want him. And I can totally understand it because, I mean, the guy is a, a, a great talent, a great driver. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, this to me is one of those um, examples of, you know, good things happening to good people. Um, I spoke to him earlier last week, sort of when we had a, a media call. And especially after what happened last year when he won the Indy, the Indy Lights Championship, sort of thought that he was going to get a certain scholarship uh, amount, got only half of that to his big surprise. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, does this feel like vindication uh, to get this deal in place? And he said, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Because, I mean, you know, 12 months ago, he uh, lost out on the Dale Coin Racing deal because he couldn't uh, get the money together. And now he has a, a multi-year contract with Chip Ganesi Racing. I mean, I think it's great. I really think it's great. Yeah. Uh, and I expect great things from him. For sure. Yeah, he's definitely talented. I mean, that that uh, race in Nashville was very impressive, considering he mm. hadn't been in a race car in, like, forever. Never um, did live pit stops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too, right? I mean, holy mm. hell. And on a street circuit as tough as Nashville is uh, yeah. to, to boot. Um, so their lineup for 2024 would look like Scott Dixon, Alex Pillow, which is, I guess, you know, Chip is – Basically confirm that Marcus Armstrong yep. and Linus Lundqvist. That's a pretty good lineup for uh, for CGR for for twenty twenty four. I mean, a lot of talent there. You're in yeah, of course. Armstrong also still has to be confirmed, but there yeah. again, sort of, you know, we're we're all uh, hearing right that yeah. that's going to happen, um, which is great because I mean, I think Armstrong has done a good yes. a good job as well as a rookie. Um, can only get better as yes. as time progresses. Um, and then indeed, you know, you have a you have a nice split. You know, you have two of these two of these youngsters, and then two more experienced champions, proven champions. I mean, uh, yeah, that's a great a great squad to have. Uh, so some silly season stuff. Rosenquist to uh, to Meyer Shank Racing. Yes. Uh, I mean, leaving Arrow McLaren to go. That I mean, I think at the end of the day, if that were to 
were to happen, he must be leaving Errol McLaren for Myoshank Racing simply because of contract length, I would think. I don't know why you would want to leave Errol McLaren, though. Like, well, the thing is, of course, I mean, last year, Alex Below was supposed to go there, and Rosenquist was supposed to leave. Um, Formula and E. Then, <laughs> and then in the air, yeah, exactly, and I heard that he was also in talks with Junkos. Well, anyway, but there's there's all sorts of discussion. But basically, they had told him, you're no longer wanted here. Yes. And then the Polo thing didn't happen. And then, oh, yeah, well, maybe you can stay on for one more year. Uh, and now, again, they were planning to bring in Polo, but then it was like, well, actually, Polo's not happening. Maybe, you know, if, if you if they keep, how many times do you want to be told that you're second, third, fourth choice for a mm-hmm. seat? I can imagine that at some point when a team like MSR says, you know what, um, we want to, uh, we've had a few rough years, but we want to sort of completely renew our, our package. We have a, a rookie, very talented rookie in Tom Blomqvist, but we need some experience next to that we need a team leader here's a multi-year deal Mm -hmm. you're our you're our guy i think somehow yes maybe you can argue that it's a step back but i mean you know my shank racing they're also winners right yeah they're not going to be they're not going to be stuck at the level that there are now yeah so i I can see it i can i can see why uh felix would like a fresh start so to say yep yeah that makes sense i mean and they had their they had some pretty competitive seasons there as well. It's just it's yeah. gone a bit downhill the last uh, the last year or so. So David yeah. Malukas would then, I guess, move over to Errol McLaren. I was on a press conference with him uh, a few weeks ago, and he did make mention that essentially his plans are confirmed for next season. He couldn't announce it until after the last race of the season, but mm. the rumor mill is turning, and it is saying that he's headed to, to Errol McLaren. Uh, do you like that move? I You know, Pato, well, I, I can Malukas. totally understand from from David's perspective. I can totally understand it. It's a yeah. great thing to do. Um, to be honest, earlier in the silly season, I heard that he was very close to signing with Ed Carpenter Racing. Um, I personally would have loved to see Renus and Malukas in one team. Um, but then, you know, when the Palo deal fell through and and McLaren was seeing like who else is out there. Um, yeah, if you get the call from Aaron McLaren, like, would you like to drive in one of our cars instead of it at Carpenter Racing? Uh, it's not a difficult choice yeah. to make if you're David Malukas. I get it. Um, and, you know, he's, he's deserved it. He's done he's done some great stuff uh, in, in what is a difficult car because the, the Dale Coyne racing car has been super competitive at times either. Um, he's a great talent. Um, I, I He's a great guy. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very happy for him. Yeah. Uh, McLaren and uh, Hunkos is also a, a rumor that's been out there. This is a story you yeah. uh, you're currently working on. No, I've, I've been I've been monitoring it a little bit. I've heard some rumors indeed, and it was already around Nashville um, that indeed there had been some talks between representatives of Junkos Hollinger and Aaron McLaren about possibly a collaboration um, along the lines of maybe Andretti MSR of of Penske Foyt. Um, to be honest, I don't know where those talks are right now. Whether any, anything is actually happening. Um, but um, we've known sort of that that McLaren has an interest in in fielding a fourth car Hmm. um, due to capacity uh, that might not be possible yet. So, yeah, I've I've heard the talks are ongoing, but where where they lead that, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. That's an interesting one for me because uh, you would have to assume that it's got to be if they're going to allow one more car it had to, it would have to be i lot like i don't it would know have to be. it's 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 a, it's a great way to get an indirect read on yeah. how good calum is right yeah um because i mean we've heard his name around uh, the mclaren seat as well yeah. um so would that? Yeah, I mean, I, I could, I could see it. Um, I'm uh, if 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 it all comes to pass. Um, but yeah, I'd. Uh, 
like I say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know where these where these talks are right now. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But it uh, would be an intriguing uh, an intriguing uh, combination. We only have a few minutes left, but I wanted to make sure we touched on the uh, junior formulas uh, as well. So Miles Rowe winning the uh, USF, great, yeah, pro championship. I mean, that guy is—he uh, he was on fire all season, man. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I remember, man. I mean, after the first two rounds of you, as you as as you know, I mean, I I, I cover the uh, the the junior open wheel for Feeder Series, um, the Feeder Series .net platform. Um, and after the first two rounds at St. Pete and Sebring, when he had won three of the first four races, yeah. I wrote a piece saying who's going to stop Miles Rowe. Well, turns out Nobody. no one yeah. was, <laughs> um, because I mean, he really—I mean, already last year he missed the USF two thousand championship by a whisker that was yeah. also in portland you know that season That's finale right. um but this year yeah i mean he just him and paps racing they yeah. really found something uh, sure. and they really just went from strength to strength and yeah now he's a now he's a winner now he's got a championship he's got a scholarship um moving to indy next next year um so for I, I, yeah for that i just wanted to ask you about the, the scholarship stuff so what yes. do you if can you uh, just elaborate for the listeners a bit more about what the scholarship actually is because remember like they had technically kind of cut some of it off like some of it was it was yeah, it prize was, money that, or like what that was, was it? that was it well in indy next they have changed it but it's ah. which also because of course because of the ownership because indy next is now run and operated by indycar uh-huh. uh, by the indy the indycar organization whereas the usf pro championships are all run by anderson promotions right. but basically the way it works is that all the way from a usf juniors down and then, then we're talking f4 level cars if you win the championship you get a scholarship to progress to the next level it won't take you there all the way but it's basically you know you got 70 80 percent of your budget complete and then you can sort of just go um, um and and th- i mean i think that's one of the great benefits compared to the european ladder mm-hmm. i mean if you win the Form- FIA formula three championship you get nothing mm-hmm. so if you don't have budget you still can pr- pr- progress to the next level and that sort of has in the past has you know it has posed a problem for some drivers yeah um and I mean, Miles Rowe last year was in the exact uh, was was in that position as well. I mean, you know, was was low on funds, uh, wasn't sure whether he could continue in USF two thousand. Eventually, you know, uh, got renewed backing from Roger Penske um, and and the Penske organization, and you know, this year managed uh, uh, managed to sort of get that um, that that USF Pro two thousand uh, deal in place. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I say, I've been I've been hearing his name a lot around Andretti Autosport uh, in recent in recent weeks. So that's uh, that's where I expect him to land next year. Awesome. And Andretti Autosport is you know is a championship winning yeah. team in Indy next, so that would be a great next step for yeah. him. And then uh, in USF 2000, you had Simon Sykes um, yes. winning the championship there. Can you just yeah, again the, the listeners and viewers let, let them know just a tiny bit on on Simon's as well? I yeah. know we're tight on time, but the the great thing about Simon is sort of he's always been been struggling with funds, has run a few uh, uh, partial seasons. Seasons in USF 2000. This year, finally, he's basically in the first few rounds. He's been running from, you know, basically on a weekend by weekend basis, trying to collect funding, and he just needed to keep keep winning, and that's what he did. Um, and now he's got the championship, got the scholarship, can continue his career. Um, yeah, I mean, again. Good things happen to good people. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Yeroon, thanks very much for uh, taking the time uh, to do all this. Um, let everybody know where they, can, where they can find you and uh, what you're working on. Um, well, as I said, I'm just following the, uh, the, the American Open Wheel um, feeder series. So follow us on uh, FS Americas on uh, Twitter, now known as X, I think. Um, and yeah. then uh, you'll find me uh, eventually as well there. 
Thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it. I'm Tim Haraney. Please head over to Spotify. Give Nailing the Apex five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with that podcast. If you can write a review, that'd really help us a lot. You can also watch us on YouTube as well. Thanks again, everyone, for watching and listening, and we'll talk to you all later. Yeah.